This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. When you're trying to keep your pre-owned lot stocked with high-quality, in-demand vehicles, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Plus, you always risk having your price bid up by competing dealers. With Van, you go straight to the source, acquiring pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers in your target market. The Vehicle Acquisition Network saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area. Find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. For more information, text buy with van to 64600 or go to autoconverse.com forward slash V-A-N. Welcome. We are, uh, we're, we're officially live here on YouTube and you are attending our used car marketing uh, webcasts, a uh, webcast that we do every month, uh, first, pretty much the first Thursday of every month, sometimes the second Thursday of every month. And our focus really is on the big picture of the used car business. And today what I have lined up is pretty much a, pr- a brief conversation around the potential, the investment potential of the used car business. So there are some pub, you know, publicly traded companies, there's some large players entering this used car space, and it's definitely transforming and having a, an effect on things. Now I've brought, uh, we have uh, Gary Wade on here, uh, joining me here as well. So Gary, let's uh, make sure I can get your camera rolling. All right, you're looking good. I'll unpin mine. So, uh, Gary Wade, folks. Now, Gary is a retired automotive executive. Gary, you've been in the in the business, what 30 ish years? About thirty eight years. Yeah. Yeah, thirty eight years. So, uh, so almost no one better to have here to uh, provide commentary. So, I'm Ryan Girardi. It is Thursday, March fourteenth. Thanks again. We do record this. We release it onto the Auto Converse podcast, and we feature it on Auto Converse. Dot com as well. You can watch live here on YouTube and also go over to autoconversion.net, look under watch pages and look for auto retail uh, webcasts. And you can watch on our website and I'll be checking in there as well. So consider it on demand. So Gary, now you, you were not on the last session. We had Ed French, Jason Rice was on there, Aaron Gomez. And that conversation centered around the acquisition strategies of Carvana, who had just kind of come out recently with this campaign blitz, that they will now buy your car. And so what we got into was, what is that, you know, that, what kind of strategic play is that? Are they nipping at the heels of CarMax? And, you know, should dealers feel any pressure? Should there be a sense of urgency with that, with that tactic? So kind of building, building on that, why don't you give us your basic commentary. These major players that are in this, that are entering the space, you know, is it indeed increasing the pressure on traditional franchise dealerships as it pertains to the used car business? I think it's, it's putting a lot of pressure on it and that Carvana has stepped into the immediate public purchasing 
uh, arena that a lot of dealers uh, have been in for quite a few years. And, and that was something that I kind of specialized in the last seven, eight years of my career was acquisitions from the public uh, and working with uh, a, a group that moderate sized group, 20 stores and setting up buying center and, and running that end of the business for them. Um, with Carvana stepping into it, like CarMax and some of the other big dealer groups now that are jumping into this, it's really putting a squeeze on anyone that uh, has been a small time player. I mean, this is just another thing where you're going to see a lot of small dealers, one, two, threes that are in larger metropolitan areas uh, get bought up, I think. And it's going to, you're going to see that um, a lot of your really good family owned stores that have been solid uh, with manufacturers for a long time, this is going to cause them to get gobbled up and you're still going to see your smaller rural dealers or your smaller, you know, one dealer that's not in a, uh, not a great performing dealer or a dealer that isn't in a, a large metropolitan area survive uh, by the skin of their teeth if they can. But I think you're very good performing dealers. We have an example of it here in the Twin Cities. Just recently, um, the two Lexus dealers and one of the Chevrolet dealers were owned by the Bloomer family here. And a large dealer group out of Chicago um, that has, I believe, 30-some stores down in the Chicago area uh, just grabbed up. And these were two of the uh, original Lexus dealers in the country, very, very well-performing dealerships. And they've been a Chevy dealer for 70 years, the Bloomer family. And, and they got grabbed up. The Village Automotive Group got bought out and, and uh, probably because they're in a major metropolitan area, had great success with, with Lexus and, and were a great performing dealer. So once again, like you said, the, these the investment into these dealerships from the outside sources and from the big, eating up the new and, and with Carvana and CarMax on the used car end, I think you're going to see, you know, regionally, if you have a, a good solid used car performing uh, group or a used car performing uh, point. I mean, we have a couple of them here in the Twin Cities that are just used car dealers that do very big volume. I think you're going to see those guys get offers on the table that uh, maybe they can't refuse. So one of the advantages that CarMax has in, in its acquisition business is basically they have their own intra-auction, you know, wholesale business. So when you talk about a group, and I don't know the group that you mentioned in the Chicago area that acquired these two, lo the two local uh, dealerships up in your area, you're in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Does, does that also have a strategic play for the, for the group regionally with, with their, with their wholesale, uh, with their wholesale business and with their, with their acquisitions and trades that give them that same, same advantage, I guess. Yeah, I would, I would say anytime you have a dealership that grows in volume, as far as rooftops, you know, their opportunity to move vehicles from one location to the other to maximize where the market conditions are mm -hmm. um, for specific makes and models and also opens up different regions. Now they're from Chicago moving into the Minneapolis market. You're moving into two different, completely different wholesale markets 
you can move inventory uh, up into this other market. And there are times where the Minneapolis auto auction and Odessa up here, um, the Mannheim auto auctions, there's two of them up here, will be some of the top performing uh, results on a lot of vehicles in the country as far as price-wise. And for years, a lot of the factories sent certain models up in here because they know they were going to get top dollars here, especially right now, this time of the year. The, all this northern region, we, the, the wholesale markets in this area draw from North and South Dakota, the, the uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, majority of your dealers that come to the auction or come into the auction uh, electronically uh, are really looking to boost their inventories this time of year as we go into the spring market. So uh, it's a, a boom, boom market up here right now as far as used cars. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but it looks like Carvana only has about a dozen vending machine locations across the country. That doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, you know, Ed last month, went through some of their numbers. It's no secret that Carvana is not profiting. They're five years in, not profiting. Now, their stock peaked last year, uh, uh, about late spring, early summer, their stock peaked, uh, went way down over the next few months. Now, just over the past couple of weeks, it popped up. Uh, but before I get into what's making it pop, doesn't it seem like Carvana needs more locations? What's keeping them from, are they, are they, are they growing fast enough? Well, I, I think the, uh, the vending machines are kind of a novel thing. Yeah. Cause that's not there. It's not a parking lot of cars. Yeah. I think the reality is Carvana's um, spending on advertising uh, just like CarMax did about four or five years ago in a huge, huge way ramped up their spending and advertising here in the Midwest as they expanded into stores here in the Midwest. Um, we saw a great influx. Uh, I know here in the Twin Cities, they built two and they planned for three stores very quickly and they spent unbelievable amount of money into this, this media market uh, before they even got close to breaking ground to bring brand awareness and everything else. And I think Carvana is doing a, an amazing job on bringing that same brand awareness ahead of time. Um, whether they'll ever put a vending machine up here, I don't know, but they'll probably have a regional sales office uh, that would buy and deliver cars, I think, very soon, um, if not already. So it, it's something that uh, um, I think you'll see more of that expansion where they're going to have uh, their buying centers and their, their retailing offices. I mean, their whole marketing model is not anything brick and mortar it's it's all online and you're going to see more and more of that i i would liken it to amazon in the sense that they they the, like you said the vending machine itself is just for show it's a pretty economical way to physically say to the to that area hey carvana is here i would think as a i would think as a consumer if you're not seeing carvana if you're not seeing the vending machines you would assume that Carvana is not in your area, but it, there's really, even though they ha only have 11 vending machines, they, their reach, they're, they can reach farther than those 11 places is what you're saying. <clears throat> um, 
I think your point about their advertising is a huge advantage. From a consumer standpoint, they can create you know, brand recognition nationally with consumers. And we definitely live in this big box era, like you were talking about a minute ago, that <laughs> the, the, the bigger brands are going to buy up the smaller ones. And maybe psychologically, that does work well for today's consumer. They, they want to buy from something, someone, a brand they're already familiar with. Yeah, I, I, I think that you look at, uh, you know, AutoNation is um, not at any individual locations, uh, something that's a, a huge used car brand. They're more a new car brand as far as that, but just because of sheer volume of rooftops, mm-hmm. they do a lot of used car volume. Um, but I think if you ask people that buy from AutoNation, they look at AutoNation as a as a big brand. Same thing with CarMax. Being an only, you know, a used car uh, brand, they are the, the king of it, though. They, you know, what is, what is, uh, their volume about uh, seven hundred thousand vehicles a year. Carmax is Carmax, yeah. yeah I, I think you're um, right on target there. Um, and you know, with that type of volume, uh, overall, you know, you look at it. Uh, uh, I just read something recently that says that uh, the used cars um, changeover sales annually is about forty million right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's. It's about what is that two percent or just under two percent of the of the used car volume nationally, but um, everything else that goes along with the sale, obviously the uh, the financing, the the repair, the and then they have a huge wholesale, you know, their own auction, like you mentioned, and, and everything else. And you're going to see these these big juggernauts. Every one of them is going to be. Uh, going that way you're even seeing some pretty large dealer groups go that way right uh, having their own auctions and, and to me when you when you think about the used car business you know again it's not right it's not just the cars there's a lot of the ancillary stuff around it there's financing right there's there's maintenance there's parts and repair i i'll go back to acquisition acquisition is the one thing that we have the data and the tools to acquire the right way to dispose of vehicles in all in a prof- profitable way. And it just seems like the larger that your network is, that's, that's propri- your proprietary wholesale network, that is a huge competitive advantage compared to you know, the single stores, the two or three groups that are still dependent on the physical auctions. Yeah, the, the dealers that are aligned um, not just within their own group, but uh, there's many now that are um, eight, nine smaller, 10 to 12 uh, store groups that are coming together as a uh, under one guidance, I would say, that uh, the, the dealer principals have, have banded together to put together their buying power, to put together their investment power, uh, uh, to put together the funding for real estate. Um, and everything in that aspect. And when you look at those um, alliances more than dealer groups, uh, you would say, and how they can 
wholesale amongst themselves or buy from amongst themselves and the platforms that are available for the dealer to dealer wholesaling that's available in today's markets um, that's being used and, and uh, uh, not just by individual groups, but also by major groups. And now the, the major auction groups are getting involved with them too. Um, it's made a big difference, a big mm-hmm. difference, I can see. You can get cars uh, much quicker. Uh, you can get cars at a, a better cost advantage. <clears throat> Bring them in on your acquisition. Um, have better uh, condition reports, um, have the functionality of much more uh, knowledge on the car as far as when you're making your buying or bidding decision on on screen and able to use it uh, uh, in a much more timely basis and in a much more in-depth basis than making a snap decision in a physical lane um, and trying to do the research a day or two ahead of time on cars that you know, you're trying to chase through the old style uh, brick and mortar lanes where today, you know, the the big buying groups uh, like CarMax set up war rooms and, and they have people that do the investigation, the pricing and set it up. And then they have people that do the input on the on the proxy bidding and on the bidding uh, on auctions. And then you have people watching the auctions themselves from a war room and making and somebody overseeing them to make the ultimate decision to move or not out of the guide. Um, if you're going to play in a big boy's world, you got to do it right, I guess. Do you see, going, speaking specifically to Carvana's acquisition from consumers, that's what their big push is right now. Do you, do you see them at, at a higher risk considering they're willing to offer a price, uh, you know, based off of the, based off the report versus having say a certified mechanic truly inspect that vehicle? Um, I think that they can still have uh, a pretty good off the license plate, you know, we call the license plate uh, type of inspection where, you know, you do all the research, you, you run it through what software you have to do histories and do um, uh market evaluations, the auto evaluations, things of that sort. And, but they still have an out. I mean, the people have to represent the vehicle correctly in their, in their condition report that they do. Right. They're not obligated to it. Yeah. So the, when the, ultimately when the pickup inspector goes and takes a look at it, if someone has misrepresented the vehicle, obviously it's not going to happen at the number that they had said. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I would think that uh, like a majority of the dealers that I dealt with that were working in this acquisition from the public, that you would give people a, a real good ballpark and they would want to hold your feet to the fire. It, it, and if you said, hey, send me a real good couple pictures of your vehicles, send me information, give me the VIN number, the miles, you know, you pull all the history on the vehicle. I mean, you know, our friend, our friend David Long with Elo is a perfect example. Um, he could give somebody because out in Northern California, um, because of the time crunch people are in there and their lifestyles, he could give people a really good estimate on what the car was going to be. And unless something when they did do their inspection was way off, they were pretty close to what they had talked about. So um, 
I don't think that what Carvana is doing is reinventing the wheel there. I think it's something that they're just kind of fine tuning. No. And I guess, I, I guess your response is they're not, they're not taking too much of a risk with the way that they're doing it. Not at all. Okay. Two more, two more questions. Um, uh, the first one, not so much a question, but Carvana's, uh, I mentioned a minute ago that Carvana's stock has, has kind of popped, if you will, over the past couple of weeks. And I did a little investigation as to, as to why, because you know, the, the word on the street is, hey, they're not profiting, right? They just, they're spending a ton on advertising. Um, you know, so what's causing it to pop? And what it looks like is, and I didn't know this, but I, I think Car- Carvana does, I mean, it, it has uh, underwriting to, to put people in cars, but it's still tied to those loans. And I don't know what you know about Carvana's financing, but it sounds like they might be able to sell off some of those asset-backed securities, and that's a good sign. It sounds like someone might want to acquire those, not someone, but investors, and take that out of Carvana, you know, kind of take that off Carvana's plate. And that seems to be what's causing their, their stock prices to go up, at least right now. Yeah, I don't know exactly what they're they're referencing as asset-backed securities, but I would just assume, uh, and if it's correct, that what you're saying is that that their in-house financing um, being asset-backed by the car itself uh, on the loan package. If that's true, it'd be great for them to shed that kind of debt and and free up a lot of that capital that they acquired in some of the different in their IPO and some of their bond uh, uh, sales that they could free back up to use as working capital once again for either new business as they grow. I mean, they want, you know, they talk about they, they want to go from 100,000 vehicles to 2 million vehicles, you know, in a couple of years. And going <laughs> for that, that's, you know, the only way that that could happen is huge amounts of, of capital available. Right. Yeah. Expansion, growth acquisition uh, of inventory you know to, to sell two million vehicles a year I mean, I mean come on that's twice more than twice almost three times what carmax is selling sure um, it's pretty know. aggressive it might just be rhetoric yeah yeah do you think that car carvana is i don't know the is uh, the pressure is really mounting to get profitable i mean amazon said not to be profitable after all these years so it seems to me like they still have plenty of time as long as they keep getting backed. You know, it, it's, they've got plenty of time to figure this out, or, or at least grow. It's it's all going to be based on growth. I mean, if they can show that they aren't profitable because everything's being rest, reinvested in growth, I mean that's that's Amazon. I mean, they have huge, 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 huge growth annually and with that you know you look at uh, what they've been able to do um if carvana is able to show growth that is uh, worth it it's doing business it's uh, you know you aren't just spending money to spend money but you're you're expanding your markets and you're doing it in a, in a, a good way where you're taking market share I mean, you're moving into markets and you're gaining market share and you're gaining brand awareness and you're, and this acquisition push that they're doing, if they're able to bring the inventory in that gives them the lift 
to go into some more volume in both retail and wholesale, I mean, then it's worth it. So as long as they're growing, growing, growing market share, then they're going to be fine. And I think you just attributed that to, you know, a part of it is how they're going to source these cars and finance them and then their advertising strategy. So final, got one minute here. Final word here. Just, uh, you know, got a, a large dealer audience that we, that we target these, uh, th- this webcast for. Uh, speaking to the traditional franchise dealer, okay, the, the mom and pop or the, you know, the, the five-store auto group, what, what would be some, some, some advice that you could offer them for the year 2019 as it pertains to their used car business and being profitable? Really watch your inventory as far as what the market's doing, as far as uh, don't worry about day aging and calendar aging, uh, worry about market compression and market aging. Um, if your market moves on you, you have to be ready to move the vehicles and move the money out. The, but on the other hand, if the market moves in a vehicle becomes something that is really hot in the market, don't shortcut yourself either uh, because the car's 30 or 45 days. If all of a sudden a vehicle for some reason has a market change because of news or because of weather or something seasonally and you own one, just because it's 45 days, don't give it away, but make it so it's on the market price and sell it tomorrow. And that's right in tune with, with Dale Pollock's message is you got to know the, there's, there's, the ripe, there's a ripe moment for every vehicle. It has nothing to do with its age. It has to do with the market and what you've put into it also is a factor too. One of the smartest guys that I see in the, in the automobile business uh, with his uh, information and, and I follow him uh, on every blog and every uh, website I can. and, and even being retired uh, to try to stay up with the, the business. Very intelligent man. Absolutely. He's known for that. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being here and, uh, and, and, you know, talking with me about this. Thank you. Uh, we do this every month, either the first or second Thursday. You can tune in live from the auto conversion YouTube channel. So go to autoconversion.net, look for the YouTube icon and subscribe. That way you're notified. Be sure to press on that bell icon so that you get notified. If you can't attend the live session, that's fine. You can watch it later. That's the beauty of it. It's on demand. Now, what I recommend is you sign up here uh, with this series, and that way we can notify you via email every, every time we schedule a new event within the series, and you'll be the first one to see, uh, to have the, you know, the preview delivered to you uh, once release it, once we release it. So we release it on the podcast and up on the Auto Converse blog. Uh, look under opinion, look for auto retail, and you'll see some of these sessions that are up there. So thanks again. I'm Ryan Girardi here again, Used Car Marketing monthly webcast. You know, we'll see you same time, same place next month. Thanks, everyone. This is Autoburst Media.